charge, unplug, and play. Charge into excitement with low-emission, high-performance driving and take fun to the next level with a plug-in hybrid that's simply electrifying. The BMW 5 Series Plug-in Hybrid. Now at just 0.33% financing rate and with attractive rebates. Discover joy electrified at www.bmw.com.my today. This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It is Fun Friday. My name is Jeff Sandu and today's show, we're taking a look at some of the technology that is helping us to strike back at coronavirus. And according to MSP's Matt Amatej, it is time to fight the fear. Uh, Matt, one of your dark cloud in the silver lining moments, I guess. Hey, Jeff. Um, maybe actually the opposite way around for once, you know, like a real boy. Um this week, we're looking at how science and technology is both responding to and being shaped by the extraordinary challenges that it's facing during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we'll also have a look at some of the, uh, the, the breaking stories on this subject in uh, Geek Squawks after, uh, after the show. So I'm probably not going to make as many dad jokes this week. Um, over the, the last few weeks, we've heard one phrase repeatedly, and that is respect the science. Uh, we've heard it from people who've never actually respected the science before now, but now is obviously not time for that discussion. But while it is important to respect the science, you also have to remember that the science itself isn't fixed or static. Or in what sense? Well, we have this idea that science as a term is this fixed thing, you know, like 2 plus 2 equals 4. And we do have a lot of truths and proofs in science. Um, and, you know, it is important for everyone to remember that I am not a scientist. But when we find ourselves in situations like this virus, we have to remember that the information about it, the way that the virus behaves rather, and how we need to act in response is also evolving. We know more about it every day. And that means this phrase, respect the science, you know, we constantly have to update our expectations and our knowledge based on these new findings. Rather than getting overwhelmed and just switching off. Well, you know, we all get virus overload. Our news feeds, our favourite news sites are all full of information about the virus and you can get overwhelmed. You want to look at something that isn't so scary. That's a natural response. So that's why today I want to look at how we're using science and technology to help beat back the virus, to, to look at some of the positive stories that are coming out of this dark mist. So I apologise if some of the stuff we talk about today you've already heard on BFM or from other sources, but I'm just trying to bring some of these kind of emerging success stories back into one place. All right, so where should we start? Well, let's start with fake news. So uh, I got sent something this week about um, various foods and their pH levels and uh, how eating foods of certain pH levels might ward off the virus. Uh, if you believe in those kind of holistic cures, you know, that's fine. But this is a time for facts rather than opinions. So when we're sharing information, you know, we should get back to that idea of that phrase, respecting the science. All right. And to give people some context, how damaging can fake information be? Well, there was a really sad story that came out earlier this week. Uh, it was about a couple from Arizona. They took a chemical called uh, chloroquine phosphate, 
which they believed would help to protect them from the virus. Uh, President Trump had made an announcement the previous week that an anti-malarial drug called chloroquine had been approved for use against uh, the COVID-19 virus. And it turned out it hasn't. The testing is still ongoing. Now, chloroquine is an approved drug, but it's not been approved or indicated as useful in slowing uh, the, the development of this particular virus. So that relatively small understanding of that overstatement may have prompted the couple to take their own supply of the, suds, uh, the substance, which led to the husband dying and his wife being admitted to hospital for critical care. Now, it should be pointed out that the substance they took was not actually a medical product. It was a different formulation that was designed actually for cleaning fish tanks. Ouch. And, and that goes back to what you were saying about the kind of messages that are getting passed down around on social media. Yeah, it's really important not to self-medicate. You know, don't pick up on some at-home treatment that you've seen online or on social media. Uh, certainly don't start taking strange products because they have some of the same chemical components or compounds as a drug you've heard about on TV or, or the radio or, or wherever. Uh, there are lots of things that contain water that are completely poisonous to us. Uh, you know, I understand people are stressed and panicking, but, you know, try and keep a bit of a cool head when you're looking at these things. Um, Closer to home, uh, Malaysia's MCMC already has a news uh, fake news combating site, uh, subanania.my. Um, my pronunciation is dreadful, so I'm going to ask Jeff to repeat that for you properly. That's actually pretty good. It's subanania.my, yeah. Okay. Well, the uh, website has launched a Telegram messaging account. So if you don't know about Telegram, it's a private messaging client, a bit like WhatsApp. It's touted as being more secure and private than WhatsApp. It's also a bit easier to have broad, broadcast accounts on. Uh, so BFM also has a Telegraph account, uh, but uh, sorry, Telegram account. But yeah, if you are wondering whether something you've seen or heard is uh, is true, um, like the message Auntie Mabel has just sent you advising you to boil a yam at midnight and dance naked with the fairies, do check out that site. Subadania.my. Thank you, Jeff. Um, so sticking with uh, Telegram, uh, Malaysia's version of the CDC, the CPRC, has been doing a fantastic job of uh, putting out information during this crisis. Uh, a lot of updates on patients and the number of cases, uh, also about the, the, the global spread of the virus and tips on how to stay safe, uh, as well as lots of messages of thanks and congratulations to the, the frontline people, the health staff who are helping to combat this. Now, they also have a, a Telegram channel, um, and that will take the latest health updates straight to your phone. Uh, and Telegram also has that function where it tells you if anyone has joined the service. I would normally get sort of one or two of those notifications a week, but I'm getting multiple flashes a day at the moment. So you can you can see that people are joining the service and they are joining. The numbers of people joining these channels for CPRC and MCMC is growing um, pretty exponentially. Mm. Should we be looking at downloading apps for all our utilities? I mean, I don't think it can hurt. Um, KL's regional water supplier, um, Iselangor, has a, a pretty good app. Um, it's important to stay a little bit on top of uh, those kind of infrastructure projects right now because if there are things like uh, broken pipes or water mains or even schedule works in your area, 
you really have to know in advance because now it's not so easy to just pop to the store and get in a load of drinking water um, as it was a, a few weeks ago. Uh, obviously, you know, these last few examples have been more Malaysia centric, but you can check for similar um, services and apps for wherever you live as well. Uh, a lot more countries are putting up fake news and rumor curbing sites. And also, you know, just check what channels your disease control services, whether they're national or state, uh, are actually communicating on. All right. Uh, should we stick with apps? Well, this situation would be hugely different without uh, smartphones and apps. Um, first off, think of all the things you've now started ordering from your phone. Um, most of us have moved towards ordering online, but um, for many things, you know, the dis the default is still to head to the store. Uh, I've found um, all of these delivery services that I didn't know even existed for everything from hardware to, to pet supplies over the uh, the last few weeks. Um, I've even been getting deliveries on Sundays because, you know, the logistics companies, all those delivery services are really ramping up services um, while the rest of us are either scaling down or trying to figure out some way to uh, work from home. And do you think this will uh, have a lasting impact on retail in terms of the way we shop? Well, you know, we have that situation in sci-fi movies where everyone is pictured at home, unable to, to leave the house and they have to order everything in. And in a few short weeks, huge chunks of the world have actually shifted towards that, that version of sci-fi reality. Uh, in Malaysia, we're looking at another couple of weeks uh, of stay-at-home controls at the very least. And the longer we stay in that situation, I think the more these behaviours are likely to become ingrained habits. Because one of the effective ways of introducing change to your life is to disrupt or upend an existing habit. So I think it's certainly maybe too early to see how much impact this will have on kind of retail in the long term. But in the US and uh, to a certain extent here in Malaysia, you can see that shopping malls have already started to become more like entertainment spaces, much more about theme parks and eating and drinking and leisure activities with those kind of retail components as a as side rather than a main focus. While people do the actual shopping online. Well, yeah, I think it's really starting to hit home to people how important and convenient uh, this kind of shopping is. Obviously, we'll we'll cover this more in Geeks um, and come back specifically to the response of the tech companies uh, during COVID in a future show. But, you know, you, you might still want to go out to the store or wet market to buy fresh and frozen foods, even if you're buying online. But for most things, we can actually find them online. Uh, I think people will start to make more use of their free time as entertainment and leisure time rather than just a time to, to do shopping and running errands. But obviously, that's a tangent for today. Um, but uh, the, the, the kind of retail and delivery services are an obvious growth area during this, this crisis. In the US, private health companies have offered home delivery services for virus testing uh, as well. The UK is about to offer free at home testing to try and relieve some of the pressure on uh, hospitals. And we're also seeing this growth in at-home medical consultations, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, and of course, outreach for vulnerable people. Because what we want is not to set off a wave of mental health problems while we're under these kind of quarantine and at-home orders. We're combating one problem. We're not supposed to be setting people up for new ones. Mm. You know, Matt, I've seen a lot of fitness experts offering free exercise classes and sessions online. 
Well, I've been teaching myself yoga with YouTube tutorials for a while because my body has never been fit for public consumption. But this is one of the wonderful sides of social media. Uh, I think I was on BizBytes yesterday talking about precisely this. The way people have started to share their expertise with other people is really heartening. Uh, TikTok really seems to be solidifying its presence during this crisis. Um, some people might call it a uh, marketing opportunity, but I really do think there's a genuine public service going on there as well. Do you think social media has come into its own during uh, this crisis? Yeah, I mean, we've seen its power to to really connect us uh, during this time. Now, my mum lives on her own. My One of my brothers lives just a, a few kilometres away from her. But now that the UK is locked down, it's going to be more difficult for him to drop in on her and for her to see people face to face. So social media is a lifeline for people. And the best thing is how inventive people are. You know, the the watch parties, impromptu party games. I've seen live music jams and uh, video mixes like uh, Eclectic Method are holding live mixes of music, TV and film daily during uh, during this crisis. And we've also seen the resurgence of gamified video chat apps like House Party, where you can chat with friends while taking part in quizzes, you know, all of that kind of thing. Um, that was a massive hit in 2016 when it came out, but it kind of died down and went a bit quiet. But it seems to have really found its, its, its groove and come back for these stay-at-home times. When we come back, a little more app and a lot more tech. We'll be right back. BFM 89.9. Big, friendly, matcha. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. And we're back. It is Fun Friday together with me, Jeff Sandu, and Culture Pop's Matt Amatej. Matt, now you've promised to move away from the phone in the second half of the show? Well, to move away, we have to first obviously stay put. So first, um, you know, have a look at all the apps that are on your phone. Uh, I spent hours deleting unused ones the other day, but I also found a lot of old games that I'd forgotten about. And I've been happily connecting dots and spelling words in my downtime um, the last couple of days. And without plugging BFM, well, I'm just plugging BFM. Uh, now is a great time to explore and catch up on some of those podcasts that you might have missed, as well as books and other non-screen activities that you keep promising yourself that you're going to get round to. But I do want to stick with phones for a minute and uh, location apps. So we mentioned on Geeks, I think a couple of weeks ago, a Korean app that is being used to help uh, track the spread of coronavirus in South Korea. Uh, in China, the health code system uh, is uh, being extended through apps like WePay and Alipay. And users are actually given a score based on their travel history, their medical conditions, and their potential exposure to the virus. Some stores and restaurants won't let customers in unless they have a positive score on the app, which grades you on a curve, I think, red, yellow, and green, green being the better one. And we're starting to see similar apps springing up in other countries like Hong Kong and Singapore. And again, more on those uh, in Geeks later on this morning. Should we be concerned Concern about the privacy aspects of uh, sharing phone and location data? Yeah, but I, I think, you know, maybe we should start worrying about that tomorrow rather than today. Uh, if you look at earlier attempts at um, uh, tracing epidemics, the studies thrive on information. And I think we're in a situation now where 
we all kind of have to pitch in, even if it does leave a bad taste in the, the mouth. Uh, US researchers are testing apps that allow people to log their movements, comparing them to the movements of known positive patients on government databases. Obviously, all of this is in an anonymized form, but it's so that you have a better idea if you've recently come into contact with someone who might have passed on the, the virus. And there's a growing movement for this kind of data to be shared as a matter of course, and for epidemiological features to be baked into operating systems or services from companies like Google, um, again, randomized and anonymized. But like I said, how much of a worry this is for uh, our, our privacy is really a, a show for another day. Now, you mentioned e-wallets in passing earlier. Is that another tech that is finding its place? Well, absolutely. You know, Malaysia was a little late coming to the uh, contactless payment party, whether it's e-wallets or card tap technologies um, compared to some other places. But with many countries advising that it's better to use cards and e-wallets than cash because, you know, it reduces the transmission risk because you're not doing a hand-to-hand -hand service or, or recycling other people's money. I'm really glad that Malaysia is where it is with these services because there are still instances where you can't buy something online and you have to make these face-to-face -face transactions. So being able to flash your card or phone without touching that surface or that person is a really simple and efficient way to maintain that social distancing. Mm. And I'm sure now you want to tell us all about AI. Yes, I do. Um, in a few weeks, we'll do a show on uh, what AI actually is and isn't. So I read a really interesting piece this week that uh, Jaron Lanier uh, co-authored. Um, but you may have noticed a marked resolution, uh, sorry, a marked reduction rather in customer service for a lot of online services over the, the past few weeks. We're becoming a lot more reliant on chatbots as a way to obtain information from agencies and services during this time, especially as those services have uh, extremely stretched resources. So the use of these little scripts allows staff to be freed up for frontline operations. Can you give us a specific use case? Well, as you can imagine, uh, it can be used in a lot of different applications. Just this week, Microsoft announced that it is uh, teamed up with the CDC in the US to produce a coronavirus self-checker chatbot. That's really hard to say. For people to determine whether they should head to the hospital, uh, the AI will suggest different courses of action according to the symptoms the user describes and will give tips on how to treat the illness at home. It's currently handling a volume of one million requests a day. So as I said before, just think of all the health professionals and operators that that one million requests actually represents. Mm. Now, we've talked about the AI modelling of the virus already. Yeah, on Geeks, I think we talked about the Canadian company Blue Dot and its uh, epidemic mapping software. But machine intelligence is also being put to work to help find a cure. So we've mentioned before that systems like Google's DeepMind can be put to work in decoding the character of diseases. And currently, Google is using DeepMind to try and better understand the proteins in the virus with a view to making these findings public so that other researchers can plug the results into their work. Another company, Benevolent AI, is uh, taking a different tack. It's using its machines to look at already existing drugs and treatments and suggesting the ones that might have some use in the fight against this disease. But more than that, we're seeing uh, supercomputers being used to speed up the processes by which cures can be developed uh, and 
make it to the the human trial stage. So in China, companies like Tencent are working with medical research teams to model solutions and run calculations at a turbocharged rate. And then there's the surveillance aspect. Well, yes, a lot of this technology has been pioneered in China, but we can expect to see it spreading more widely across the globe. Uh, One example is the head-mounted infrared smart cameras that uh, notify the wearer if a a passerby has an elevated temperature. But it's the remote and AI-powered systems that are actually the most impressive. You know, as I said, we'll deal with the scary aspects of them on another show. But uh, a Chinese company called SenseTime is deploying autonomous temperature monitoring services at locations like schools and community centers. Uh, The company also says it can combine it with facial recognition technologies uh, that can uh, even detect with a high degree of accuracy the um, identity of people wearing masks. And, you know, one of the issues that we've seen here in Malaysia is people attending places or events that have later turned out to have uh, fueled these clusters of the virus. And some of those people refuse to identify themselves and go for testing and tracing to find out if they could possibly have passed the virus on to anyone else. Now, obviously, all of this is very draconian. I'm still in two minds whether it, it is justified. But you do ask yourself, what is the alternative? Uh, we've seen what happens in uh, countries that are more liberal about their their lockdown or virus battling approaches, and you know the the kind of escalation of the the virus we've seen in those places. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be the time when robots go mainstream? Well, often when we see robots rolled out in public uh, places, it's kind of a novelty thing. You know, they often aren't that useful, but we see. Uh, we are seeing them, you know, increasingly used in military support roles like, you know, bomb diffusion uh, and ancillary services. But now we're definitely seeing them in that civil defense role. Again, a lot of those examples are from China. Uh, I especially like the ultraviolet emitting robots being used to sterilize Chinese hospitals. Uh, they remind me of the Matrix movies and the, the the ship, the Nebuchadnezzar and its EMP weapons. Now, those robots are actually from a Danish company. They are remote controlled. Um, and that means the operator faces no infection risk when cleaning a room. The machines are sent in. They uh, sterilize the room with the, the UV and come back out. Um, and one of the alarming statistics that we're seeing is the number of frontline medical staff being infected with this virus. Mm. So telemedicine then? Well, yeah, we've talked about telemedicine a few times on the show. Um, it has great potential to share medical resources, um, specialists from one hospital treating patients at an, another via a, a robot or a screen, especially as we're seeing the creation of all of these ad hoc hospitals across the world. Um, equally, in the current situation, it allows doctors and nurses to, to bypass some of those infection risks, and it allows machines to do that initial approach and dealing with, um, with the public. It also enables people in strict quarantine to receive medical monitoring. And uh, one Chinese field hospital in uh, Wuchang, um, they were using 5G equipped robots and those robots were credited with helping to contain the virus in that area. How about in the workplace uh, for getting us back to work? Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of the things we've discussed also have commercial potential. Uh, for example, robots and people don't interact well. So it's often to be uh, been difficult to do large scale real world testing. This has been the perfect opportunity to 
bring those machines out into our world. As I mentioned before, um, taking deliveries of uh, uh, robots have been taking deliveries of food and medicine and other goods to people in quarantine, uh, reducing the risk that uh, delivery staff face in those interactions. Some Chinese companies are also experimenting with uh, food preparation robots because that means there's less risk of human contamination in that food chain. And of course, it takes the pressure off. The people who would have been preparing that food can now be stay, uh, safe at home with their families. Mm. You think you will see the pace of automation increasing? Definitely, we'll see the uh, manufacturers, the logistics companies, and the distributors accelerating their own automation processes, partly because uh, they can do all these real-world tests, as I said, but also because they'll want to build uh, different coping mechanisms into the, the business models they operate. Uh, so how are they going to cope if the virus has a second or a third wave? How do they keep the manufacturer of critical goods going and the supply chain flowing with a massively restricted workforce. So we could be seeing very different business models emerging from this crisis. And I know this all sounds a bit, you know, science fiction-y, but if we can let, let technology take over these parts of our support system in the short term, hopefully that will give our leaders more space and more resources to devote to finding cures and to finding treatments. And that's what this is really about. It's about getting us out of our living rooms and back to our real lives as quickly and safely as possible. Mm. Matt Amatej there talking about the fight against fear in light of uh, COVID-19. Uh, stay tuned. We've got Geek Squawks after this. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.